ready to grow your business by building relationships online and offline? Are you looking for a system to attract new prospects and nurture your past clients? Maybe you're a business owner, a sales professional, or an entrepreneur. If you are, then great. Join me, Janice Porter, as we blast past your barriers to success and explore the power of relationships for your business. And welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Relationships Rule Show. I'm Janice Porter, your host, as usual, and today I have a very special guest coming from a very hot Las Vegas, Nevada. Her name is Deborah Russell. Welcome to the show, Deborah. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. It's taken us a while to make this happen, so I'm glad that we are finally able to do so. And I'm going to um, ask you to just share with my audience very briefly your passion and the work that you do. Tell us, tell us what you do. Well, in a word, I would say my passion is transformation. Ah. Um, and what I do is I work with um, business owners to create a prosperous, profitable, successful, sustainable business doing specifically doing what they love what they're passionate about and so I work a lot in the arts and entertainment industry I work with professional athletes um, both and collegiate professional and post you know retired athletes Um, and I also work with businesses in doing things like um, uh, creating the foundation for scaling if they're a startup um, when there is mergers happening or um, an influx of new employees, creating that culture so that everybody is working towards the same goals, the same vision. Um, lots of interesting things in that, in that I know you've been doing what you do and it's evolved for many years. And now you're actually going to the next level and getting your executive MBA. And I applaud you for that because um, just going back to school makes me think shudder. It makes me shudder actually. But, um, but I think, you know, people who love to learn are often the best teachers in that sense, because they know what it takes. Um, You have on your, um, well, you just mentioned this, you have on your LinkedIn profile as well, bringing the business savvy to passion-based business. And so, it's funny because I was watching a um, an interview on Netflix with uh, David Letterman. He has a series of interviews that he does, and he was I watched the one he just did with Kevin Durant, who of course <clears throat> the um, ultimate professional athlete. And right, <coughs> excuse me. And you see professional athletes that get to the highest level of um, their their um, sport who know nothing about business. And I'm sure it's terrifying. Yes. I'm sure that's what I was going to say. You must think that when you see that, but I noticed what David Letterman was asking um, and drawing out of Kevin Durant because he was quite quiet. He's quite subdued and and kind of a, an enigmatic kind of um, character. He, um, you know, he was asking him, you know, well, do you see, you love playing video games. Do you see doing that? Um, something with that post your career, you know, and he says, yes, absolutely. And blah, blah, blah. And he's into a couple of things and obviously, or hopefully has the management and the support behind him 
to help him take his millions. And I mean, you can see he does a lot of charity work and showed his foundations and so on. And the work that his family is doing based on the, the money that he's put into it. But I'm sure that what you see is, is so many people, they've got the passion, but they don't know how to turn it into a business or. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's actually, um, I mean, I started in the arts and entertainment industry. That's my background. I worked, uh, came up through film and television hmm. um, first in front of the camera or what they call above the line and then yes. below the line in yeah. production. Um, and the, the, same issues that I saw with artists, I also see with athletes. The big difference is the window. Artists have their entire lives. Yes. Athletes have three to four years. Yeah. I mean, there are exceptions to yes. that, but they're rare. Yeah. And, you know, if it's something like baseball, which is not quite as hard on your body for as for example, football or rugby right. um, or soccer, yeah. they might have a little longer. Yeah. But but the average three to four years. Yeah. And by the and, way, being a basketball family and watching the level of the NBA these days, I would say basketball is so much more hard hitting now than it used to be too. So yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. It has really changed yeah. um, over the last, I would say 10 years. Yes. And so you had, you had longer careers Yeah, exactly. in, in the 60s, 70s, 80s than you do now. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And and the idea that they're a business owner is so completely foreign. Yeah. And what you said about that they're agents and managers, and I am sorry to report <laughs> that agents and managers don't care. There are exceptions to that okay. rule. Yeah. There are few and far between. Because as far as an agent or a manager is concerned, what you do when you retire, not anything it's not their business yeah they're they on care yeah. they don't help the athlete um plan for transition um because basically once the athlete transitions they don't make any more money right yeah that's good point and good point. and most athletes this is also true with the artists but it's even more true with the athletes because it's the way they've been trained their entire life yeah. is to look at their agents and their managers and their coaches as their boss. Oh, that's, that doesn't make sense to me. No, it doesn't. Yeah. And that's how they relate. Now with their coach, he is their boss or she, but yeah. most often he yeah. um, is their boss, but their agent and manager is their team. Yeah. They work for the athlete, Yeah, exactly. but the athlete doesn't own that yeah interesting interesting and there are exceptions and i see someone looking at uh, a michael jordan and saying hey i want that post career well michael jordan was building that post career from day one yeah. as an athlete yeah he didn't start the day he retired right. he started the day he got a professional contract so do you say that, yes, he's an exception, but did he do that because he had um, people behind him helping him or that he had a sense of business? I think he had a sense of business. Okay. I think he, he's just a very savvy businessman. Well, Kobe Bryant was another one. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Very savvy businessman. Yeah. And, um, and gosh, what a loss, but yes, totally. um, yeah. 
he, you know, they are the exception, sadly. Most, yeah. most athletes are like, I'll think about when I need that, when I need to think about it. I'll think about my money when I need to access my money for the me- in the meantime, someone else handle it because I don't want to look at it. Big mistake. And huge, yeah. huge mistake. Yeah. And it makes me, it, it's why I started um, pursuing working with athletes. Interesting. Yeah, no, I can see. So, okay. Um, I'm just going to shift for a second because I want, I will come back to that because it fascinates me, but I want to know something you mentioned earlier that you started in arts entertainment and you started in front of the camera. So tell me a little bit about that. What were you up to? I started acting when I was 11. Okay. And I did a lot of local stuff um, though. I did, you know, live in New York and, and worked off Broadway for a bit and, did a little of this and a little of that, a commercial here, a student film there. And, uh-huh. you know, um, and then went back to school. I, I have gone back to school more than once in my life. <laughs> um, I went back to school to get a uh, BFA, a bachelor's in fine yeah. arts from Syracuse University, a very, very fine um, theater school. Um, because I didn't feel like I was fulfilling what I, my, you know, potential, by the time I got done with that, I didn't want to be an actor anymore. Interesting. I wanted to produce and direct. I, I just really felt like that was more where my skill set yeah. yeah. was. Yeah. And so I moved to LA and worked in production. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, that's pretty much. Um, and if you go on to IMDb, you can find me on some really bad films. <laughs> um, Do that. <laughs> but, but, but primarily as in production. Because so IMDb I, didn't exist yes. when I was, you know, doing other things. So. You know, it's funny. And the reason I asked is because there's some of that in my family. My, my sister, who lives in L.A., started as an actor in L.A. after doing a theater degree at UBC here in Vancouver and then got her MFA at UCLA and then hit the road, right? Hit the side the pavement, um, doing little bits here, little bits there, but then eventually couldn't stand the rejection and went into, she became an agent, a print agent for kids, right? Uh-huh. When, yeah. And so she helped launch on print, the the era of the kids that are now Leonardo DiCaprio and and Toby Maguire and a um, um, bunch of others. Anyway, and yeah, that's um, very cool. Yeah, and then my daughter, one of my daughters, took her degree in theater and English at UBC and was into acting and modeling and directing. She got her degree in directing, and so that was always interesting to me too because both of those people, my sister and my daughter, those skills that they have have helped them with presentations, have helped them with writing, right? Have helped them with sales. And so it all is, um, is great background. Yep. If you're have. trained, if you're trained to audition, yeah, um, you are trained in improv because all auditions yes. are improv because yes. you have not developed anything. You're yeah. just stepping on the stage. They're handing you a side script. You have maybe 10 minutes yeah. to read it before you step on and you have to make a connection immediately. Yes. And so being able to make that connection with the other person, yeah. whoever's standing opposite reading the other part. And it's usually a stage manager, not yeah. an actor. Yeah. Um, you have to be able to make that connection and make it 
read yes for yes. the for the people watching it instantly and that is a sales technique mm -hmm. that right there is a sales technique mm -hmm. because the ability to immediately open yourself up in a way that the other person sees themselves yeah yeah is magic and it and that's when you're when you're doing an audition that's what you have to do yeah, yeah. um so now i'm gonna sort of mosey back because i'm thinking about you know so many times i think of young uh athletes that get interviewed when they first get there you know they go from college they get drafted or whatever and they don't even have right. a clue how to talk to people i know Right. And so, yeah, so there's so much that has to be learned in the way of building of of um, being able to read other people, being able to have a conversation, start a conversation. It's funny because we we're talking before we got on air about my little granddaughter. And one of the things that is just goes right to my heart is when she'll FaceTime me and she'll say, and how's your day going, Grandma? <laughs> that she's getting prompted, but it just breaks my heart, you know, or it just brings joy to me when she says, that. and how are you, grandma? Or how's your day going, grandma? And so to have that instant rapport, yes. right? It's, it's, it's a skill. Yes, it's a skill. skill. Yeah. And the thing that, you know, there are some people who have it innately. Yes. Um, I will say that my brother has never met a stranger who will not think of him as their, their closest friends with right. Them. 10 minutes. Yeah. And the, the, the great thing about my brother is that he keeps those friendships nice over yeah. a lifetime. I don't know how he does it, how he has time. It's, it's hard for me, but, um, but he, it's one of his skills, but he has that ability to create that instant rapport. And he always has, That's I had to, I had to get, I had to train myself okay. on how to do it because I'm more innately shy people are very surprised when they find this out about me. Yeah, I'm yeah. more innately shy. I'm, um, I'm slower to open up to people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I have over the years learned and trained myself in, you know, in conversations to make those connections and to be accessible in, so, with my so, energy. Yeah. So that the, um, the extra skill there is to make it real, right? Yeah. If it's not that, if it's harder for you to do that. So, because I'm that person like your brother. I mean, I can go, um, I always have the standing joke with my husband, you know, uh, he can play golf for four hours with a stranger and, you know, come back and say, oh, we played golf with this really nice guy from Australia. Oh, does he married? Where is he from? Blah, blah, blah. He knows nothing, yeah, no idea. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> nothing. And in five minutes, I can have someone's life story. So right. it's just a different, you know, a different skill set, like you said. And, um, uh, and so what, I, I guess, I don't know, does it matter? Like, you see how these, um, I call, I say these kids, these young um, actors, these young athletes, these young new uh, upstart business owners, right? Yeah. Um, you can see how they're brought up by how they have a conversation with people. You can see if they're, you know, interested because you have to be interested. You have to be curious. And see, that's how you make it real. So if I'm having a conversation with you and I went to a sales training course and I learned, you know, five questions to ask someone at a networking event 
yeah. you know, what's your name? Where are you from? What's your business? You know, like whatever yeah. those five questions yeah. are. If I'm not actually genuinely curious, right. they know. Yes. They know instinctively right. and they may not know consciously, but they know intuitively and it colors everything. Yeah. And if you can find in yourself the interest and curiosity about the other person, who are you? What makes you tick? Yeah. Where, where do we have commonalities? Yeah. Where do we have um, uh, disparities? And, and what's interesting about that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, people find commonalities interesting. That's, that's human nature. Yeah. But being able to find the differences interesting, that's mm-hmm. a skill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, so, oh, really? So you tamed lions. That's <laughs> fascinating, you know, and being genuine about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what's the, um, what, do you have a story about somebody you've worked with who, you know, was very good at what they did, but had no sense of business that you turned them into someone who, tell me a story. I, I have quite a few of those but I will I will talk about a gentleman from Norway who I worked with and when we first started working together he was a producer um, music producer and artist and he um he was going along and he created some things and he learned a ton about business working with me and what was interesting so two amazing things happened for him one he re-engaged in his relationship with his wife and his children Mm. because he created systems for his business oh good one and was able to set boundaries around his business so he could be present with his family that's beautiful And, and i actually got a thank you note from his wife Oh, which was just, oh, oh yeah, that's the best. I'm felling. I mean, it just <laughs> was like, oh, so wonderful. Um, and then he turned around and he bought a business that was failing mm. at um, a, a shipping business, a transport business for groceries. And it was failing when he bought it. He bought it for a song yeah. because it was failing. And he turned it around. He tripled the revenue. He turned it from just a dry goods and canned goods into a refrigerated goods company. Mm. So he's basically delivering food all across the entire country of Norway. And he took it from, you know, a a $1 million, which is a lot more kroners, but yeah. I don't remember the exact yeah. numbers, but a $1 million company that was not, was barely able to make payroll into a $15 million company in a year. Wow. Because of the because, systems. Because of the systems that I taught him, because of the um, business mindset that he created, because he could see how all of the things that he was applying in producing completely applied to the business he was doing. And, um, and he, he was able to partner with someone and he hired a whole raft of people. So he's a major employer now. Yeah. I mean, it just, 
so what, the reason I wanted to tell that story is because business is business is business. That's what I was just Yeah, that's what I was getting from that is that I started to think that, okay, so let's say you, you and I'm sure with, we met networking online and you've done lots of that, I'm sure, as I have in the last couple of years. And uh, we meet so many people that are um, uh, solopreneurs, they're small business owners, they may have nobody working for them, they may have the odd um, virtual assistant, but if they were able to work with you, how would that change for them? How would they, I know like I'm at a point where I like, I need to do so much, but I can't do it all. No, you can't, nor should you. Yeah. Um, one, of the, one of the things that I teach is just because you're able to do a job is, doesn't mean that it's the right job for you to be doing. As a business owner, we yeah. wear many hats. Yeah. Um, and they're not all the right hats. They're not all the best use of our time, energy, and focus. So first of all, figuring out what that is, what is the best use? What yeah. are the things that only you uniquely can do? What is your core proficiency? Yeah. And then seeing what are the other needs in your business and staffing that up as you can, either with experts or assistants. Okay. Yes. And then now, you think I can't afford to have. Right. Yeah. Well, that's what, so with an expert, you don't need to spend a lot of time training them with an assistant. Yeah, You'll you pay do. less, yeah. but you do need to spend time training them. But here's the solution to that. If you have documented all of the systems that you are undoubtedly running, but right now live in here, <laughs> yes. if you are documenting them so that they're in a, you know, a, a, a notebook, yeah. then train or online, yeah. right in a Trello or you know, yes. some other project or even a Google Doc. It doesn't really even matter. Yeah. And then you basically just hand them the instructions and say, let me know if you have questions. Yeah. Which is very different than having to sit down with them and spend eight hours training them to do what you do. Now, there is a trick, though especially with the very first assistant. You spend that time, those eight hours training them, but you have them write it out. So they're taking notes, writing everything that you're saying. They write it up, type it up into a document, send it back to you. You fill in all the gaps because you know there will be. Yeah. Or the things that they didn't hear correctly or tweaked or whatever, you make all those corrections, send it back to them. Let me know if you have any questions, start running this system. And the first couple of times they run the system, you do need to give them good oversight. But then once they've got it, then you can let them run with it. Mm -hmm. The trick is you're not the one writing it. They are. Right. That eight hours is not wasted if they leave, which they will. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, nobody's fantasy career is being a, an assistant right. for, you know, 
15, 20 bucks an hour. That's not their fantasy. Right. They're in school or they're pursuing something else or whatever, but you know that it's temporary. Mm-hmm. Well, if it's temporary and you've spent eight hours training them and you haven't documented it, that yeah, on you. you, you never get that eight hours back. Yeah. It's gone. It's lost. That's actually, that's a nugget. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. So no, that's it. I mean, you know, so you can either write it down as you do it or, have or you can train them and have them write it down. And then you go, you bat it back and forth and edit it. Yeah. But then the real magic is when you let them add their own spark to it. Hmm. The reason that's magical is because A, it's an external set of eyes who is not, who's going to see the things you don't see because you're in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. It's someone who may see shortcuts, may see pieces that you miss that come up in conversations. The, all of that is their value, but it also gets them to invest in your business. Right? So mm-hmm. they've got, they've got an, an investment in your business because look, I created this. Right. So that keeps them there a little bit longer because they're, they feel that appreciation and respect. And their presence will be more, they will be more present yeah. in the time that they're there because they're more invested. Yeah. yeah. People, business owners all the time talk about how do I get buy-in from my employees? How do I get them to invest in my business goals? How do I, how do I get them to really commit? Mm-hmm. And the way you get them to really commit is not telling them. It's asking them for their wisdom. Yeah, it's involving them. It's yeah. involving them. It's giving them the freedom to be creative. Mm-hmm. You know, it's giving them the freedom to own, to take ownership yeah. of the job. And from my perspective of relationship marketing, I'm going to add one more thing and say, and then appreciate them and show mm-hmm. them that appreciation, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And if they, if they do something, if they give it a tweak, you have to notice it. You have to acknowledge it and you have, and, and love it, which can also be a little hard for us to let go of the things that we thought were the right way yeah. to do it. <laughs> yeah. Ego gets in the way there. Yeah. I, I can. Right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so pursuing that. Okay. So um, I, what do you, well, I'm going to, assume right now and I, I don't really want to assume but that you don't have a lot of extra time right now but I was going to say what do you do when you're not working but you're at school now so now you're trying to <laughs> work, so, what do right? I do when I'm not working yeah well I will tell you I don't I don't always share this um but I think it's in in you know the the during times I call them the before times before COVID before times during times we're in the during times we haven't reached the after times yet but um i have a chronic illness which is why i left film oh um and i was on the verge of making of actually breaking in as a director and um had a had a backer we were you know we were looking at scripts i mean we were in pre-production and um i got sick 
So I have a, an illness called myalgic encephalomyelitis. And it's, um, most people have not heard of it, no. but it is actually more common than MS. And I could talk for hours about why most people have not heard about it, but I won't go on, get on that soapbox because I can, and but I won't, I'll spare you that. Um, but what it requires of me to be as well as I am, I was bedridden for three years. Oh my goodness. I was housebound for including those three years, a total of about eight years. Wow. So when people whine about being housebound for six months, <laughs> I'm just like, oh, please hold my beer. Um, <laughs> you're an amateur. <laughs> I've got it being housebound down and we didn't have the internet. Um, so, yeah. Right. So um, mostly what I'm doing when I'm not working or not studying is resting. Resting. Yeah. It's it's at or getting healthcare, you yeah. know, going to an acupuncturist or getting a massage or taking, you know, somehow taking care of myself. And it has forced me to prioritize my health and well-being over everything. And one of the things that I work with clients on, because a lot of clients hire me when they're already burnt out, mm. they come to me having, you know, they've been working 18 hours a day on their business seven days a week for 10 years and nothing's changing yeah. and they're burnt out yeah. and they've sacrificed relationships yeah. and their health and everything else. So one of the things I work on with people a lot is learning how to pace yourself mm. and how to build recovery time in this is, this is an athlete concept, right? You yeah. don't train all day, every day, because if you do, you're just going to injure yourself. Right. You, you train and then you recover yeah. and then you train and then you recover and then you play a game yeah. and then you recover and yeah. then you train and then you recover. You have to build the recovery time in. Yeah. Well, business owners don't do that. No. Well, they're Especially, being in so many directions. And then, yeah. like you said, the relationship piece gets pulled as well and they can't do it all. So, yeah. yeah. So, so a lot of what I'm doing is that. However, um, one of the things that I'm loving about living in Las Vegas after living kind of in the middle of nowhere in South Jersey is that I'm, I'm being social and I'm getting out. I went out to happy hour last night with two new girlfriends and, okay. you know, we had, we had a blast. And so, so I am trying to do more of that and be more social. So I'm, um, I'm so guessing that the dry heat's good for you then. Too. The dry heat's yeah. really good for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, um, I, I struggle with the, with the changing barometer. Mm-hmm. So in living in a place like New Jersey, that where the weather changes every two days or every three days, it was very difficult for me. Or like Vancouver, where it's damp and wet most of the time. Pretty much all the time. Yeah. yeah I looked at Seattle when I was yeah. looking at schools and I thought, there's no way I can live here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I love it. I love yeah. Seattle. It's a gorgeous city. Yeah, it is. There's no way I could live there. Well, it so. sounds as though your um, the work that you do, um, I can see your passion about it. But what I see is the passion of um, making sure that people that you work with are 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 getting everything that they need. Yes. 
right? And that is so important. It's true because I get burned out just being in front of my computer all the time. And I feel sometimes like the hamster on the wheel, not getting anywhere. And part of it is because I'm, I'm a bit ADD. I've decided in my old age, because I, I do that squirrel thing. And I'm so curious and interested in everything else that I forget that I'm supposed to be talking to clients on the phone, you know, or prospects on the phone. So, and then all I want to do is play with my granddaughter. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's constant, right? So, and, and compared to what the world was like 50 years ago, we have a lot more squirrels. The squirrels have taken over. Totally. Totally. (laughs) It's true. It's true. And so, so so I want to give you two pieces of advice. Please, I was going to ask you, that's what I wanted to know for my audience. So go for it. And for you as well. And for me, I'm listening. Um, Yeah. One thing, turn, um, create boundaries mm-hmm. around your activity. Yeah. So if you're, if this is the hour where you're making prospecting phone calls, you, your, your um, ding for emails is turned off. Your ding for yeah. LinkedIn is turned off. You know, everything that can be turned off is turned off. So the only thing that you're focusing on is that, you know, that conversation. Yes. And I'm bad at that. Uh, so I, I hear yeah. you. Yeah. But, but it can be, it applies to everything. Yeah. Yeah. And you want to be playing with your granddaughter when you're playing with your granddaughter, make sure everything's turned off. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're playing, when you're doing your work, I'm yeah. sorry, I'm not available right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that way you can be fully present with her. Yes. And be fully present with your business. Yeah, that's the other great. recommendation I would make to you is, and I'm going to give you some time frames, but you don't need to honor these. Um, everybody is different in their tolerance. Um, if you're doing X for this next hour, mm-hmm. do it for 50 minutes and then give yourself 10 minutes to get up, to walk around, to get something to drink, to do some stretching, right. to, you know, whatever it is to transition to the next thing. Yeah, that's a really good point. So yeah. people don't build transition time into their time management. No, the only ones critical. that do are psychiatrists and uh, right. therapists, right? Right. Well, you know, on my, my client sessions are 55 minutes long because I need that five minutes to transition. Yeah. Got it. You know, um, between this client and the next yeah. client, always. Yeah. Um, but when I'm working on my own stuff, I actually don't do hour long. I usually do 30 minutes mm-hmm. and then we'll get up and do something completely different for 10 minutes mm-hmm. and it's still work, yeah. right? It might yeah. be something, but it's, it's up, it's moving, it's doing something else. And then I come back down and do 30 minutes in front of my computer. That, great points. Absolutely. Um, I'll take that challenge. Good. Good. <laughs> um, and, and my other suggestion, and this is something I learned in, uh, from my uh, therapist when I was very ill, because I am the A-type personality. I am go, go, go. I am achieve, achieve, achieve. And who I am, my personal identity is very much connected with how I achieve. I am very much that A-type personality. And what she recommended so that I wouldn't feel bad about myself for having to rest is that I put it on my to-do list. I mm-hmm. write it into my calendar mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I cross it out when I do it oh, wow. so that I get to 
celebrate. Resting is an achievement. It is an accomplishment. And it has as much value as making that phone call. That's or really writing great. that blog post or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Great. Those are great tips. Thank you so much. Um, one last question for you before yeah. we wrap up. So you, we've alluded to this actually earlier in the conversation, but I love to ask my client or my uh, guests on the show, um, because curiosity is so important to me, I'm a very curious person. And, and um, I want to know if you think curiosity is innate or learned. And part two, what are you most curious about these days? So I believe it is innate and I believe it is beaten out of us. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. I think it is frequently, literally beaten out of us. In school, right? It, not necessarily. Oh, okay. It might be from okay. parents as well who are sick of answering the why questions. Yes. But, but why? Yeah. <laughs> not stop please stop <laughs> so you know um and in school because there's a right question yeah. Yeah. a right answer to the question and a wrong answer to the question um and curiosity and thinking is very much not taught in school because right. they are teaching to the test yeah now this was not true when i was a student but it's very much true now Mm -hmm. um, this, you know, I was a student a long time ago. This really is not blonde. Um, <laughs> Neither is mine. This is my natural gray color. I come by it honestly, every single strand. Um, the teaching to the test means there's only one right answer. Yeah. And that kills curiosity as well. Yeah. So it's not a question of learning it. It's a question of clearing away the damage that gets in the way of it clearing away the wounds mm. that get in the way of curiosity clearing away the beliefs that not knowing the answer means you're not worthy right. and not good enough because all of those things get in the way of curiosity that's great. That's a great answer. Thank you. And what are you most curious about today? Well, I'm all business right now. Because <laughs> even though it's summer and I'm on officially on break from school, I'm not on break from school. I'm definitely in the learning mode it, because I already said I was an A-type personality. Getting an MBA is not enough. I'm actually um, in the process of getting a certification from the University of Florida as an athlete development specialist. Ooh. Oh. So I'll have that credential um, as well as the, the learning. So I'm fascinated about that. There's a lot that's a, it's actually as a certificate program, it's a fairly dense program. It comes out of their master's in sport business um, program. It's kind of a sub subset yeah. of their master's in sport business program. So I'm fascinated with that. Um, I'm reading right now a book called Crossing the Chasm which is a book, it's a marketing book. I forget who it's by, but if you look up Crossing the Chasm, he's, you know, known far and wide. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, the next one is Purple Cow by Seth Godin. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I'm just, I, what I've been doing, any book that has been mentioned in one of my classes or when I'm doing reading they, and they mention an author or a book, 
I've been tagging it in my library and then I'm slowly kind of working my way through that as since I don't have reading for school. Wow. So, um, so that's my, that's, that's kind of what I'm doing. Um, so I'm very curious about business. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about my new, um, my new residence in the beautiful city of Las Vegas, which by the way, for everyone who's been here, it's bigger than the strip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Next time I come, I, I'm going to have to go visit somebody like you off the strip. Because oh, absolutely. Please come on out. We'll get some coffee. I'll show you some of the beautiful areas of Summerlin, which is where I go. live. Oh, um, and we're surrounded by mountains. There's a ton of hiking. Uh, it's really quite a beautiful city. So I'm awesome. happy to be exploring that. Thank you. And yeah, so that's that's what I'm curious about. Well, thank you for your um for your openness and thank you for your wisdom and thank you for sharing that with me about my favorite thing which is curiosity so um where can people find you and i will put it in the show notes if they want to reach out i'm guessing it's deborahrussellcoaching.com yeah but you have to be sure to spell my name correctly for a very simple name it's shocking how often people miss yeah, well, there's lots of options, right? And you there's say, lots of options. Yeah. So it's D E B R A R U S S E L L coaching.com. And um, there is another Deborah Russell coach. Oh, so, yeah. So you have to look for Deborah Russell coaching. Okay. Um, and and you can find me also on LinkedIn. I do have, actually, I did get the first LinkedIn, Deborah Russell LinkedIn profile. So my LinkedIn Good. profile is at, you know, is Deborah yeah. Russell. Yeah. And um, I also have a Twitter, which is coach underscore Deborah, D-E-B-R-A underscore R. So that's my Twitter handle. Mm-hmm. And uh, right now, that's pretty much all my social media that I'm focusing on. I know I should be on Instagram, but I just no. There's no, there there's no shoulds, no shoulds. I know, no all shooting good. on yourself. I know. No. Um, so, but that's now. If you go to DeborahRussellCoaching.com, you can sign up to get my free ebook, mm-hmm. which is called um, uh, I forget the exact title, but it's about um, turning your imposter syndrome into all, a list star confidence. Okay. And I'm going to check that out. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you to my audience for listening. And if you like what you heard, please reach out to Deborah and please leave a review and let us know that you liked it. And remember to stay connected and be remembered. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If this show has inspired you to reach out to connect to someone new or nurture a current or past relationship, and you think that others can benefit from listening, please share this episode. If you have feedback or questions about the episode, please leave a note in the comment sections below. If you would like to receive automatic updates of new podcast episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or from the podcast app on your mobile device. Ratings and reviews from my listeners are extremely valuable to me and greatly appreciated. They help the podcast rank higher on iTunes, which exposes my show to more awesome listeners like you. So if you have a minute, please leave an honest review on iTunes. And remember to stay connected and be remembered.